you know, it's interesting. I just watched this movie, uh, uh, Unbroken. Anyone heard of that? Unbroken? So this guy, um, incredible. I do not remember his name. Someone shouted out, Louis. Yeah, that's right. It was Louis Z, something or other. And um, incredible guy. He uh, uh, just passed away here this year. And uh, there was an awesome movie just done. I recommend uh, taking a look at it, reading the book. My dad said it was awesome. I haven't read it. but uh, So maybe I need to take my own advice on that. But uh, uh, so here's this guy. He uh, uh, grew up in this family. He's Italian. And um, just kind of rough run at things. And actually got into like alcohol and smoking and stealing like as a little kid. And was just getting in a whole lot of trouble. And his older brother began to speak life into him and say, Hey, Louie, you're better than this. And, and Louie, no, you're, you're meant for something so much greater. And his br- big brother, even though he wasn't there yet, his big brother was speaking the stuff into him. And he said, Hey, you need to start running track. So he started training his brother. His brother ended up being becoming uh, the very best high school runner of that day. And he went on to the Olympics uh, in Germany when they were doing swastikas and stuff. And, uh, and he ran and actually ran the fastest uh, quarter mile in the history of the Olympics to that point as a high school student. Pretty incredible guy for overcoming and doing all these things. And then he gets into uh, the war and goes through some incredible adversity. I mean, they get their plane goes down. He's in a life raft with two other guys for like 46 days. I mean, that's, that's some hard stuff right there. Uh, and, uh, and what these guys went through. And then they got captured by the Japanese and tortured in the uh, Hanoi Hilton. Uh, the, the, all the, the reputation that goes with that, with, with what these guys had, had gone through. And what this story is really about is this guy not breaking, uh, his character not breaking uh, through the time. And in, at one point in the life raft, he's sitting here, and he had always seen his mom pray, uh, like on her knees, you know, good Catholic family. And he'd always see her pray, but it never made sense to him. He had never committed his life to the Lord. Well, he got in this real bad storm after being out on the ocean for like a month and said, Lord, if, if, if you're real, if you get me through this, I'm going to serve you. Well, he gets through it, and then finally it rains, and they have some water, and that's incredible. Uh, but then they get captured into this Japanese internment camp. And... Uh, What this guy had to go through, I'm going to tell you something. We do not understand persecution at all. I got no grid for it other than what I can see in a movie or something like that. I have not been anything close to the stuff that those guys went through as POWs uh, during that time frame. And that's an incredible deal. And, And why am I bringing this up? This is pretty incredible because... This guy through the whole thing, obviously he makes it to the other side and, and, and we win the war and, and he, his, his faith wasn't broken. My dad was telling me after watching this movie that uh, he really wishes that they would have spent some more time on the rest of his life. What happened after the, the Japanese internment camp? Because turns out he goes to a Billy Graham crusade and uh, gives his heart to the Lord and he had been just uh, traumatized during this time frame, and, and he would have nightmares every night as he's trying to sleep. So even though you're free, you're still a captive, right? And uh, because of the injustice done to him, and, and he couldn't forgive these men because of this injustice that had been done to him and the pain and all the things that, that had happened. And uh, he goes to this Billy Graham conference and gives his life to the Lord and asks for forgiveness, but then he also forgives specifically this guy uh, the bird is his name that uh, was oppressing him. And uh, 
never has a nightmare again. It's incredible because we need stories like this to have perspective. We need stories like this to understand difficulty and difficult times. And how many know that the end of the book's there for a reason? Okay, we all love the fact that, you know, Jesus is risen and he's Lord of all and the enemy goes to, to the eternal lake of fire, period. Awesome. We know the end of the story. That's incredible. And we are psyched for that. So the eternally defeated one no longer has a victory plan. He's going to try to weigh it out for a while, but he does not have a victory plan. And one of the, the couple of the lines in this movie that, uh, that, that he was saying is, um, you have to accept darkness and live through the night. That's one of the things that this guy Louis said. You have to accept darkness and live through the night. If I can take it, I can make it. See, this thing, that's, that's actually a Christian principle. Because think about it this way. The eternally defeated one cannot beat us. But if we can just hang in the pocket and have patience and peace in our heart and keep our eyes on Jesus, ultimately time plays out and this guy loses. Amen? That's the hope. That's the hope, no matter what we're going through. And so that's, I just want us to touch that for a minute. But uh, you're your position with Christ in an awesome way. And so that's huge. A couple of things just kind of prophetically just praying into this time and just want to communicate our, uh, it feels like there's really a generational shift that's happening right now. I mean, we hear these things and, you know, for the first time in my life, I have no more grandparents personally, Uh, no more grandparents as of this year. And my dad is now the eldest Strzeski. It's pretty amazing because, you know, I had grandparents. Now my parents are the grandparents. And for the first time, like our house was the house that we went to on Christmas. And there's just some, some different things. So the baton gets passed. The baton gets passed. We're preparing for different times to come. With, with the passing of one generation to the next, it's important to understand that there are certain things that my grandparents did that I don't do, right? Like unique to their DNA, like crocheting, uh, speaking German or or, or some other language. I don't, you know, uh, they had that. Um, the, uh, some of the cooking that we do this time of year, you know, some of those real valuable things. But do you know also that if the story of Jesus doesn't get passed from one generation to the next, doesn't get into the hearts of Jaden and Kira, doesn't get into those next ones that it could ultimately just disappear, right? Because this thing is passed. This thing is imparted. It's, it's, it, this is something that's passed from, from family to family and generation to generation in an incredible way. And we have that awesomely in common. So there's a generational shift that's taking place right now. And so we need to be aware. And if we listen as though we had to speak it or share it within 24 hours, we would hear a little bit differently If you heard what I was saying tonight, it's one of the seven habits of highly effective people. If you heard what I was saying tonight and you had to share something of it to someone tomorrow, you'd hear a little bit differently. I just encourage you as a life discipline that that's a good idea uh, with anything that you're doing. Just don't go through it. Don't go through the process, but but endure and, and, and own those things and have them become you. We don't just show up for church, right? So uh, I personally believe that the United States, us Christians, that, that we're in for some pretty heavy stuff in our nation in the next 12 to 18 months. 
And uh, you don't have to take my word for it, but I personally believe that we're into some very heavy stuff over the next 12 to 18 months here in the United States. And what we know as business as usual today may not be business as usual the same way next year. Right? After 9-11, stuff changed. You know, after uh, these different things that shape our lives or shape history, stuff changes. And so uh, the question is, in the, in the hours of peace, in the hours when we're not facing such uh, turbulence, Louis didn't know what he was going to have to go through in that movie. But there was life lessons and things that were instilled in him over time as far as character and integrity, etc., that carried him in those more difficult time frames. And um, so a couple of things that, that I want to talk about is when the circumstances change, you have to know what you've got. Where are you? What do we have? Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. It's the parable of the, the ten bridesmaids. Uh, by the way, when we get married, uh, that's the closest relationship that we can see on earth to what Jesus said that his relationship is to us. A man and a woman committing themselves for life, uh, saying, you know, hey, we're in this thing for love. We're building a covenant with one another. It's not conditional because, you know, it feels good right now and you like me now and you make me dinner, but when you stop doing that, I'm just going to leave. No, that's not not what covenant's about. Uh, Jesus made a covenant with us as his people. And he says, you're the bride, I'm the bridegroom. So he's the guy, we're a girl, which is an interesting concept for a man to understand, but it's true. And, uh, and so here's, here's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 25. And uh, we'll let the story just unfold. You've heard it this way. And so it says, the parable of the 10 bridesmaids. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five were foolish and five were wise. All the kingdom of heaven, everyone who's counted to be as a bridesmaid or one with Christ, five were foolish, five were wise. Huh. Okay. So the five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take extra oil. And when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they roused with the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. The five foolish ones asked others, Hey, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go instead and shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later... When the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. Knock, knock, knock. But he called back, believe me, I do not know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the hour or the day of his return. Wow. Wow. So check it out. Jesus lays, this is red letter. Jesus lays this this parable out. And he says, hey, The kingdom of heaven, everyone that names my name, carries the name Christian. I'm a follower of Christ, a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ, and, 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 you know, I'm a Christian. 
Five are foolish, five are wise. What Jesus is saying in this is that there's a difference between someone who had oil, their lamps were burning, all their lamps were burning, but one had a reservoir of oil and the other one did not. In the midst of the dry seasons, if there's not enough oil, you're going to burn out. Well, what's interesting is that, hey, give us some more of this. It's not something that can just be purchased. How many know that intimacy is the oil of a relationship? Intimacy is the oil of relationship, spending time with God. If, we, if the only time that we're getting some, some God in our lives is on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning or, or something like that, or when someone mentions it to us at work, dare I say you're running on red and you don't got a, a whole lot in the tank right there. Yeah? We have to be filling ourselves up with that life on the inside. See, what we ultimately want to focus specifically here in the Western world is, hey, how good do we look on the outside? Hey, my lamp's alive, I'm burning. It's, it's on. But what we forget is the first things first is that it's all about the oil on the inside. Anyone can look good when life is easy. Hello. Anyone can look good when stuff's going their direction. But when suffering happens, when difficult times happen, when it's a, a job that's lost, when it's uh, uh, someone wrongs you in a terrible way, what do we got on the inside? When oppression takes place, when there's plague and famine or whatever it looks like, anyone can look good when it's good, but when it's tough, that's where the inner man comes out. That's when it gets real. That's when it counts. Let me tell you, you can count every day of your life until that day, do it. You got to plan in order to be ready. If they knew that it was about oil, they could have done something different. If it was about the inner man, if it was about the heart, this is why it's important to understand on some level, eschatology, the end times, on some level. And the reason why is because there is a day in time that's coming that's written about for you to understand it, and it's going to be hard, and you need to be ready. Plain and simple. Just no timings noted. Everyone's got their little differences. you got to be ready. Okay? It's the dark gets dark for the light to shine the brightest. Right? A single match in the room looks extremely bright in the midst of dark. You're being prepared for a time. That's what this is about. Coming on a Sunday or Saturday isn't about, man, that preacher's so awesome and fill me right up and I'm so excited, ticked my ears and I'm ready for another week. You're supposed to be getting filled up that you can pour out. There's a world out there who needs love and light in the way that we understand it. They have to. Who's going to be Jesus to them? It's you. It's us. This is what it's about. We're not just intakers. We're pourers as well. You have to be that pitcher both ways. How you look to others on the outside does not matter. You have to be alive within. So what does the Bible say is the most important thing to be doing right now? Uh, our kind of theme here at uh, North Shore is uh, taken out of Matthew uh, 22, 37 through 39, where the Pharisees are trying to trick Jesus. And they say, hey, what are the first or most important uh, commandments? You know, because there was 10. 
And one of the most important ones, so they're trying to trick him to make him a blasphemer or something. And he says, ah, it's simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. And in Mark, it says your strength. And then uh, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord, love your neighbor. Seriously, if we do those two things, our, our lives kind of fall into alignment. They just kind of fall into alignment if that's really the pursuit of our heart. The other stuff just kind of fingers itself out. So, quick story. I was uh, a couple of years back now, like 2010, um, maybe 2009, actually. Um, I had been, I had this youth group thing going on. There was some awesome stuff taking place. Uh, had been in like a 10-day fast. How many know that that's pretty draining on your energy levels? And then you go until like 11 o'clock at night at like a youth group. You're really zapped. True? Well, the Lord's like on me as I'm driving home. And he's like, I want you to go to Safeway and uh, into this produce aisle. Or get some produce because uh, you're going to be juicing tomorrow. All right. So I'm just, I'm just following the Lord in this. And I, I really didn't want to do it. In fact, I, I totally ignored him. And I said, no, I'm not going. I'm going to sleep. And I drove right to the stoplight. He's like, no, nope, you're going. So I, I hook a left and I'm, I'm right in there. And so here I am in Safeway. And, and um, I'm in the produce aisle. And uh, uh, I'm just like looking at, you know, some different things out there. And, and I, and I, here comes this, uh, this, this Arab looking guy. And, uh, and he just starts talking to me out of nowhere, mid forties, something like that. He starts having this conversation with me and I can immediately smell alcohol on his breath. I mean, he was, he'd had a few and, um, I'm sitting here, and, and he's just kind of like dominating this conversation, and he's just, you know, like just jabbering at me and all this stuff. And he was generally friendly, uh, but he's just sitting here and jabbering, and oh my goodness, the world's broken, and all this other stuff. And and, I, and I'm just sitting here, and I'm like, okay. And ultimately, I just didn't have any energy, so I just kind of stood there, and I nodded, and I smiled, and even though I really would want to have added some points to what he was saying, but I just let it happen. And then uh, ultimately, he's like, okay, well, I'm just going to go and, uh, and grab a beer, and uh, I'm going to go home tomorrow, and I'm going to quit drinking. I said, now, you just lied to me. And he said, what? I mean, I called him out straight. I just said, you just lied to me. You, you're just having this wonderful conversation with me here, and you just told me that you're going to go grab a beer, and you're going to go home and sleep, and then uh, you're going to quit drinking tomorrow. Um, you just lied to me. How many days have you been saying that? He said, three years. Three years he's been saying that. Yeah, just one more. And uh, I didn't know what to say to this guy ultimately, but the Holy Spirit just, just like gave me a word. And it was like, do you want to know what your problem is? Your problem's not alcohol. And he goes, what? I said, it comes from the Bible. He goes, no, 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 not interested. I'm a Muslim, not interested at all. I said, okay, great. I said, well, you just lied to me. You're totally stuck. You're in bondage. You just told me that you lost your wife and your kids because they won't talk to you anymore because you're unstable. You lost your gas station, etc. Do you want to know what your problem is? It's not alcohol. It comes from the Bible. And he said, okay, fine. Tell me. He said in, in Matthew 22, it says to love the Lord your God with all your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You love your neighbor as yourself really well. Awesome for loving your neighbor, meeting people, genuinely caring, doing that good stuff. You just expressed that to me. I saw it. That was fantastic. 
Your problem is that you don't love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Man, that's huge. The guy got it right there in the produce aisle, guys. And he broke and fell on his knees and weeping. And I prayed for him right there and he accepted Christ. A Muslim man in the produce aisle at Safeway. The world needs to know that there's a God who deserves their love. Truly. And when we love God in the way that he deserves, it's not something he mandates. He deserves it. Just like when I'm singing a song, I raise my hands not because I have to or I care what you guys think about me looking at me maybe. I could care less. My worship here on earth, I have a choice in doing so. When I'm in heaven, everyone, we were created to worship God. You will worship God. You were created for that very purpose. But when in the midst of options and choices, that's warfare. And as a result of it, it's worth something greater than when everyone will just do it. God is worth it. And he's alive. And that's something to be excited about. Because this is his real plan. This is his real life living through us. This is our community. And we're God's yes that shows up at a Safeway at 11 o'clock at night with nothing left in us. And it happens and great things can take place. And so that's what God's saying right now. Hey, this is the most important things that we can be doing. So if you're analyzing your life in the, in the time frame that we're talking about, you know, hey, making New Year's resolutions, etc. Ask yourself those two questions. Am I loving the Lord with all my heart? In every way that I could, are the ways that I could do that more? And then am I loving my neighbor as myself? Generally, we do that pretty good. Maybe not. Maybe that's an area that we need to express out in. But, but that's a powerful thing for us to, to, to understand and to see right now. So what does loving God look like? It's knowing him. That's what the oil's about. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 through 6 says, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commanded is a liar. Wow. Wow. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commanded is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in me must must live as Jesus did. So, Live like Jesus did? Pretty big deal. Kind of hard to do. He, he didn't sin, right? It's okay. Just live like he did. You know, that's not the expectation, day one. It's not the expectation. Being a Christian isn't about being perfect. Hey, I don't screw up. I don't ever do anything bad, tell a lie, whatever it is. The difference between... Who we are as Christians and not is that we repent, turn around, and, 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 and get back up again. Mark Ockenreiter, who's here, actually, uh, through some of the discipleship stuff, had, had shared an awesome word with me. And, uh, and it was about, I forget the, the, the Greek words for it. It's like oikos or something. It's, it's the word son. And, uh, and the word son has, there's two different uh, words for son. When we accept Christ as our Lord, we become a son by name, a Christian by name. And, you know, they talk, it talks about, you know, being fed the milk of the word, etc. Hey, let's get on to bigger things and, and all this. At some point, through a learning process and a growing process, my little girl went from milk to food. We as, as believers do the exact same thing. We go in from milk and kind of, you know, just limping this thing out to 
actually being accountable for something and, 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 we, can, and we can live for something. And so the, the first word for son is, hey, you're a son by name. The second word is, you're a son by way. It's the way that you are. Our daughter will be our daughter because of the way she lives. You'll be able to see it. You'll be able to share, oh, wow, I know who she is. She's Jesus because of the way that she lives. Our lives should be reflections of walking like Christ because we carry our Father's way. We carry that son heart. That, that's, that's really what it, it gets to. This isn't about fire insurance and just staying out of hell. This is about, you know, that's, that's the simple thing. Uh, that's, that's where it starts. This is about walking in righteousness and holiness and being able to carry Jesus' heart into a safe way and to have some stories like that and, and to see those things come to pass. And not just only, but, but certainly not without uh, stuff like that. And, and so I just want to encourage us that, that there is something that, that we are growing for and that we never attain to perfectly on this side of eternity. But we're all trying to do it. And that's what this type of a thing can be about is we're trying to walk into that, that fully empowered place. We're trying to step into that uh, in a greater way. So uh, the second commandment, the second commandment out of 10 was don't take the Lord your God's name in vain. Hey, it's, it's about cussing. Don't cuss his name. No GDs or JCs. Let me ask something. Is the Lord more concerned with you seeing GD or JC or is he more concerned about you saying, my name is a Christian, yet I don't follow your way? I've taken your name, lived it out in vain. Powerful. We bear the name of Christ. Also American. Your family name, whatever. First and foremost, Christ. How does that affect us? How do we live differently? How does that touch the way that we do the things that we do? We're Christians. Remember, I was in Africa, 05, 06, and um, I woke up one day and the Lord was saying, David, what am I doing right now? Uh, is this a trick question? <laughs> I don't know the answer. Um, and he clearly spoke, spoke to my heart. Second Chronicles 16, nine, second Chronicles 16, nine says the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking to strengthen those hearts who are fully committed to him. So Jesus is asking us to live like him, but then he's saying what I'm doing right now, I'm actually looking for people who want me to empower them to live like me. He's not just asking for it as a demand and not empowering you to do it. He's both asking and saying, hey, if you want it, it's yours. It's your, there's an invitation. There's an invitation to a deeper place. There's an invitation to a deeper walk. And, and, and that's what it's about. John 3.16, most famous verse in all the Bible. Everyone knows this verse. I'm just going to open to it. John chapter 3, it says, as I flip there, running out of room. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do we know what verse 17 says? 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. What? Yeah, God gave his son to save us, not to bring us into condemnation and say, hey, you're wrong, this guy was perfect, and everyone's bad. No, he came to fulfill the law and say, nah, I'm bringing you close to me. This is about intimacy. This is about making a covenant with you like a, like a husband and a wife do. And they say, no, you're, you're, you're mine forever. That's what he's saying. Not to condemn the world, but to claim it. Claim it as his own. It's powerful. For the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. If we come into hard times, we all know, this, the, you know the, the, the term, uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? It's in Psalms. Powerful stuff, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Well, interesting, if, if we get into a situation where we really have to have some strength, that's a big deal to have, right? Our joy. Well, how could Jesus have joy in the midst of enduring a cross? Because he saw you at the other end of it. He saw us. My sister has a, a friend. His name's Corey Russell. Incredible man of God. Pastor, teacher in Kansas City, Missouri. In October last year, he, uh, he had a nine-month-old son. He has two little girls and he had a nine-month-old son who died at nine months old of SIDS. He was in uh, England speaking that day. And uh, when and about to come up and, and, and give a message doing a conference, and uh, he got this he got this message. That's a hard message to hear. You know his response was, the Lord spoke to him and said, "I lost my son." So he said, "God, you lost the son. You know what this is like." And he began to put his heart back in that. And he saw the joy of what that meant and what that looked like. Guys, there's something so much greater than what we get here on earth. I'm talking to myself. There's something so much greater than what we see, feel, and understand in this 70, 80, 90 years internship program that we get to be a part of. I want to put our eyes up on heaven. I want us to just get that picture and that perspective that when we wake up tomorrow, we go back to our job, we go back to whatever we're doing, we're called to serve and walk this thing out and God empowers us to do it in an awesome and incredible way. The enemy's trying to come to rob your joy. Do not let him in anything. Don't let him steal your joy. Don't let him take your peace. If you can outlast that situation, instead of getting bitter... Look to Jesus who endured it out, all of it. Every bit of it. That's how we live. That's how we don't become consumed and shut down. I heard an interesting story or an interesting statement Mike Bickle had made, and he said, uh, People think that if they commit suicide, that they're just going to rest and they're just done with it. <laughs> Not true. You're going to wake back up. There's an eternal life after this thing. There's an eternal life after this thing. Everyone has this same stuff, this hunger and this thirst for the right things. And I, I want to encourage us as a community, as a people, as a body of Christ, that we got to run for it. we got to go after it. In 2015, if some stuff goes down, 2016, 2025, I don't care when it is. I mean, if you've been to war, 
you know some real stuff takes place. You've seen some stuff go down. We don't touch that here as civilians every day. I want to make us aware and sound an alarm that there is a reality that we are going to hit these things. And the question is, what do we got? What do you have? What do I have? What are we living for? What's in us when things get difficult? couple last verses. First Peter 1, 3-9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Which again is what makes Him different from any other man that, merit, that, that lived. Because uh, He did resurrect. And into the inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for those of you through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. He is returning. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that proven through the refiner's fire, they may, be, they may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though if you, you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Paul, Peter rather, in this he's talking about, hey, I know that there's stuff you're going through. Trust me, there's a greater time that's ahead. Wisdom is going to be justified. You're going to see this thing outright. You've got a mission statement for your life and everything seems to be fighting it. It's harder to do this thing. It's harder to walk out something else. He's like, no, nah, man, this is, this is for real. There's a greater hope. There's a greater thing that's, that's waiting on the other end. It's the salvation of your souls. Hebrews chapter 10, 35 through 39. If I had one verse of what I think is like powerful for us right now to just chew on, meditate, and I think this is the verse for, for this year. So do not throw away your confident trust in the Lord. Remember that the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Patient endurance. Patient endurance. I heard a man once say that the definition of radical isn't how loud you can get, how high you can jump up and down, raise your hands, and how many meetings you can show up to. The definition of radical is being faithful year in and year out. Year in and year out. Very few will live radically enough to be able to do that very thing. That is where it counts, is the year in, year out. The walking out of life, the walking through the trials. When we get into those difficult situations, I mean, our pastor's situation here, losing his dad and then Lisa's dad, my goodness, my goodness. What, what, what that cost right there for them to say God is good. Right? Right? Because everything else wants to cause you to question. 
Is God really good? What's going on? That's so painful. Why would he do this? And we begin to ask all these questions. What's amazing is that you look throughout Scripture and you look at all the people who we have examples of, and it's God is faithful. Hebrews 11, the, the heroes of the faith, do you know that they didn't even see their promises fulfilled? Seriously. Abraham, all these in descendants, etc. He didn't see them. Hey, Noah, all this stuff's going to happen. Didn't see them. They didn't see it. We're the fulfillment of that generational blessing that's coming down on that thing. Just in closing, I just want to... What do we got? Oh, yeah, we're good. Never mind. In closing, I just want to... I just want to pray for a minute. And uh, if we could just stand. Just take a second to respond. This wasn't designed to be a hard word, but it's really straight. Maybe we could have a piano play. Is Laura here? No? Oh, cool. This isn't meant to be a hard word, but it was meant to be a straight word because we've got to look at some stuff straight. What's awesome about God is that He so is into our success, like not our failure, not overlording, not over whatever... He's so into our success. So when we get opportunities to hear something like any time that God's speaking to us, there's an opportunity to respond to it in that moment. But then there's other stuff that has to be done. So don't short circuit if, if the Lord's saying something to your heart tonight. Just take a few minutes. Something's pricking my heart and, and touching me, and uh, I don't know that I got it. I don't know if I could go through that hard thing. Um, we just tell you that the Lord wants to be life to you. Maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe just return or, or at some specific place like that. Maybe walking it out and just saying, man, I need more. same things and expect to get different results. God transacts with us relationally. And wherever you are, we'll just take a few minutes here to pray and then people can come up front and uh, if 
anything so desired. And I just want you to cry out for yourself. This isn't about something that David can pray for you or anyone else. This is about you and him. signifies love or hope trust Lord I just pray for all of our hearts here tonight God that you would speak the words of eternal life into us God that you would speak something from heaven's perspective that would shape us and mold us and stir within us, God, the, the, the hunger and thirsting for the deeper things of you. God, I'm asking for an awakening. An awakening in my heart, in our hearts, God. That we might see like you see. That we might be aware, Lord God, of, of what you're doing and what you're saying. Crying out for that stuff. Not that you even know how to. for my lives. Not just blaming you for the bad stuff, so looking for you when we when we need you, God. Lord, you're not just our our spare tire in, in times of need. You're, you're our steering wheel. You're the one who's got the wheel. You're the director of all those things. And Jesus, we just take our hands off. And Lord, I pray for the ability to really see you your mind's eye. Lord, when we get a glimpse of you, we see how love pours out. We can see your faithfulness and how you meet us. We can see those around us and, and how you come can time and time and time again in all of your kindness and mercy.
Lord, I pray, show us how to seek you. Teach us how to seek you. Teach us how to cultivate oil that cannot be purchased. Teach us how to carry that stuff and not be cisterns with holes in it. Lord, but carriers of your oil, carriers of your way, carriers of your life and your truth. You who are faithful also will do it. as we go out and we look at New Year's and we talk about different things I pray for the ability to uh, see you day to day and Lord for if there's someone out there that's just crying out to know you more God I pray that you would just continue to surround them by your people that Jesus you would just love on them the way that you love God, that we would be those those people to others. Give us the ability, the ears to hear and eyes to see, God, how to walk out, how to walk out that which you want to do, to be about your business, not our own. Be about your agenda and your goals and your things. And Lord, I thank you for steadfast faith. Father, that we would be established on the rock and not on the sand. That when the winds and the rain come, that we wouldn't be blown away or washed out and set solid. God, put it in us. Give us strength. And Lord, for the 70, 80, 90 years or however long we have, Lord, I pray that we would live each day as though it was our own, yours, and it would maybe the last one.